And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. Hello, good to have you back with us on the Athletic Football Tactics podcast. I'm Ali Maxwell and I've got my regular squad with me this week. Liam Tharm, Michael Cox, Mark Kerry, all from The Athletic and it's that time of the year, awards season. The Athletic have their big end of season awards live stream event hosted by Adam Leventhal on Tuesday evening, the 30th of May. So make sure you head to the Athletic FC social channels Tuesday evening. Adam Leventhal, your host at the Athletic's end of season awards. We wanted to insert ourselves into this part of footballing uh, discussion, but we want to do things a little bit differently. Uh, we are going to be presenting our alternative team of the season. Now, we've done this in previous seasons. Uh, this year, the parameters are a little different, Michael, in terms of an alternative team of the season. What we mean this time around is the bottom half team of the season. Yeah, and it's quite an interesting bottom half this season because it features Chelsea, for example, who you wouldn't have expected to be down there. It doesn't feature Fulham or Brentford or Aston Villa, who you might have expected to be in there. And I think there's probably a few positions where there's quite strong options and a couple of positions where we were slightly struggling a bit. So let's see how we plug those gaps. Yeah, no need to hear the old... Salah v Saka arguments that are dominating the space at the moment. Uh, the concept, as Michael discussed, uh, one player from each team in the bottom half and a bonus one uh, as well. So one bottom half club will have two members uh, of the team. The guys will all be selecting individual teams. So I'm really interested to hear and see how many players crop up twice or even three times. Any unanimously selected players uh, will really stand out. And I like that we're doing this because, of course, players that play for bottom half teams are rarely represented in official awards, but players can play well in bad situations. We will be talking about players that we think have put together a top half season in terms of individual performances for bottom half clubs. And dare I say it, for those of you who are listening and support some of the top clubs in the Premier League, potential transfer targets for your clubs this summer. So uh, the guys are going to do the majority of the talking. Let's go through your team, starting with the goalkeeper, Mark, why don't you kick us off? Okay, so I think mine's going to be a theme of data-led picks, what? which is unsurprising. Um, but in goal, I have gone for Kepa Aretha Balaga, and I'm looking across at Liam's face <laughs> with a wry smile, which may suggest he has the same. But Kepa has the best goals prevented rate of any uh, player in the, the bottom half, 3.8 goals above expectation. So based on the, the quality of the shots faced, and Kepa is top of the bill for the bottom half teams at least. So a bit of a no-brainer for me there. It is an interesting narrative around Kepa this season, isn't it? Because it wasn't Chelsea's number one last summer heading into the season, very much became Chelsea's number one, has performed per the shot-stopping stats incredibly well. Uh, and yet you'd still find a lot of Chelsea fans that wouldn't be happy with him being their number one going forward. 
Yeah, their defense actually been really, really good this season. Uh, it's the fourth best defense in the entire league, which is crazy when you consider, you know, how poor they've been by their own standards. I think it sort of stands out when you look at Kepa's stats specifically in the Premier League. He's kept nine clean sheets, but only played in eight wins. And that's despite him in terms of goals conceded per game. Um, only Nick Pope and Edison have got better sort of rates of conceding fewer goals. So it's it's crazy. That's better than Emi Martinez at Aston Villa. I think it was a big part of Graham Potter's early unbeaten run. I remember particularly the Aston Villa away game where he made, I think it was a, a double or triple save just before half time. His, uh, his reflexes have always been good. Um, I think his, his kicking's okay. It's probably a bit better than the Mendy. He's not always fantastic at defending his box, but um, I think overall he's shown in recent seasons he's a real top level keeper. Michael, we're already getting into an interesting situation where the cynic in me is wondering if Kepa's been picked partly because you have to pick a player from every team in the bottom half and there aren't a huge amount of other worthy Chelsea players uh, of being in the team in the season. Have you got Kepa in goal like Liam and Mark? I haven't actually. I've got Jordan Pickford. Um, I think he had a really good first half of the season in particular. There was a, a goalless draw against Liverpool where he basically just won a, a crucial point for them single-handedly. I've got still got some reservations about him. I think he rushes out in one-on-one -on -one situations a little bit quickly sometimes, but as a shot stopper, I think he's very good. And I think he's also... I mean, Everton is still quite rudimentary in terms of their, their build-up play. But his long kicking is very good. I mean, his, his distribution is excellent. And there's not many goalkeepers that really play that way. I know Edison does it sometimes. But yeah, I think he's had a good season. He made a really crucial save with his foot against Wolves last weekend, just before Gary Mini's equaliser. That could be the difference between staying in the Premier League and not. Okay, two keppers in the keeper position and Pickford in Michael's team. Uh, Mark... First big touching point of the day. Back four or back five? Three ATB and wing backs or a flat back four? A flat back four. Well done. For me. And I'm instantly going to choose my bonus player. For a similar reason, actually, in terms of Chelsea's defence hasn't really massively been the issue. Liam made the point before. Um, and one of the, probably the only other player who can probably not be embarrassed by, by his season this year is Thiago Silva. Um, he's not played every minute this season, granted, but um, yeah, no central defender has a higher true tackle win rate than Thiago Silva. That's tackles plus challenges lost plus fouls committed and the, the ratio of, of the win rate from that. So 78.4% win rate in there. He rarely loses a battle. He uh, he oozes class, mm. as, we, as we know. So he's uh, one of them. My other um, centre-back is James Tarkovsky. Played every uh, minute for Everton this season. Proper meat and potatoes defender. Um, his aerial win rate, seventh highest in the, the bottom half of, of this mini league that we've uh, got here. Um, Mr. Reliable, I think, really, is, is my one. He's got a higher average of blocked shots per 90 than anyone within this cohort. 2.1 per 90. So we've got someone who's going to get up, win the ball, get his body on the line. And Thiago Silva is going to ooze the class. Yeah, Tarkovsky is the only outfield in the Premier League to have played every minute. It was uh, Max Kilman as well until he was left out last weekend. I haven't got Tarkovsky, but I have got Thiago Silva for basically the reasons you mentioned. And alongside him, I've gone for someone who played for two Premier League clubs this year. I've gone for Craig Dawson, nice. who was a real fan favourite at West Ham. I think, you know, when they signed him, it was... Uh, People weren't getting too excited, but he's just a really solid kind of penalty box defender, moved to Wolves in January and has been pretty good there as well. Um, at times, I worry about his, his lack of pace. I think that has been exposed a little bit more this season. But yeah, he's had a really good season in a, a pretty pretty flat campaign otherwise for Wolves. 
I've gone for a back three, so I was starting in the middle of that. I know it's slightly controversial. Um, I've gone for Thiago Silva also. Just don't think he ever has a bad game. Um, he's the you know a complete epitome of consistency, the way that he reads the game. It's just a great stat that he's won more fouls than he's committed this season, which I know he's often sweeping in a, in a back three, but um, yeah, he's just so measured and... I think it's quite telling that Chelsea fans, the general consensus I see, even this season where they're divided on everything, they all seem to like Thiago Silva and I'm seeing shouts for club legend. And on the outside of him on the right, I've gone for Max Kilman, who I think is a really, really tidy footballer, someone that I imagine top clubs are looking at. He's tall, he's six foot four. I know people are aware of his futsal background, which makes him, I think, just a bit different as a style of player. And he's been a real key part, I think, of defending the box for Wolves. He's made almost double as many clearances uh, as the next player, which is Ruben Neves. But just a real good balance, that that modern sort of hybrid between box defender um, and, and ball carrier. And I think seven of Wolves' nine wins post-World Cup have been with a clean sheet. And he's been a big part of, I think, of you know being consistent. As, as Michael said, he's only missed one game. Um, and on the left, I've gone for Mark Wehi, who I know is not a left footer. So a slight cardinal sin there of a right footer. Um, but again, akin to sort of Mats Kilman, um, this is only his second, I think, full Premier League season. Um, he got the Athletics Rookie of the Year last season. And again, he's a really talented player. There's a reason why he's in and around the England setup. I think his passing range is, is phenomenal. He complements Joachim Anderson quite well um, at, at the back there. And yeah, he's he's 22. There's He's got a really high ceiling, I think. Um, really good technician. Um, he's adapted to Premier League life really, really well. And you think... Maybe he suffered from uh, Vieira leaving, wanting to play sort of a, a more expansive style. I think he could do a real job at a top-level club. Absolute quality defender, Mark Gahey. Uh, Michael, your fullbacks, please. Yeah, this was my problem position overall. I don't think there were many bottom half performers who had a great season. Um, on the right, I've gone for Timothy Castan of Leicester. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, poor campaign for Leicester. There's probably a couple more players higher up the pitch that you could have included. But I like Castan. He's he's maybe not a classic fullback in that. I don't think he's spectacular in terms of crossing, but he's quite efficient with his cutbacks, quite clever in the final third. I think he was a really good player at Atalanta as well in a kind of unusual fullback role. Versatile as well. He seems equally comfortable on both sides. Is he is, fair? yeah. And he's one of very few Leicester players who've just played a lot of minutes this season. I think he's played 500 minutes-ish more than the next uh, player on the list. Um, and on the other side, I've gone for Roman Lodzi of Nottingham Forest, mm-hmm. who is one of those players who are... I mean, he's a Brazilian international. He came from Atletico Madrid. He's kind of too good to be playing for Forest. But I did wonder whether they had too many players in that mould in the side. But he's he's kind of always arriving at the back post when they're playing a five at the back. I think he does that really well. He's a good crosser. He can shoot from range. And also just the fact that he's really bought into it. I mean, he was, when they sealed their survival against Arsenal, he was like in tears at the end. It clearly meant a lot to him. And I think that's, it kind of just symbolizes what Forrest have done quite well to get in 25 players and actually get them largely on the same page and caring about the cause of a club they might not really have heard of this time last year, I think is pretty impressive. So yeah, Lodi and Castan have got. I feel like Steve Cooper, from the moment he took over Nottingham Forest at the start of last season, when famously they were in uh, the bottom portion of the championship, has got the tone so spot on in terms of that side of things, like contextualising the club, the size and the history of the club and the fan base that are expectant, but also, you know, not doing so in a way that was ever arrogant or or made them a target necessarily. And has clearly, you know, been able to get the players both last season's championship squad that was previously underperforming to such an extent. Uh, and then a whole new group of players in the Premier League uh, this season. I think it's a really important part of the job that uh, he has done. Uh, Liam, your wingbacks, please. I mean, you know, I'm sure that you're the youngest. You're probably the most um, tactically inventive of the group 
group of us. And I'm sure that in and out of possession, this will look different anyway. So, you know, let's not slag you off too much for going for, for three at the back. You know, different patterns of play will produce different outcomes. Yeah, wait till you see who I picked first. You might retract that statement. Oh, I've, no. been, I've been quite inspired by Graham Potter's early season work of uh, sort of wingers at, at wing back. I think oh, one no. is slightly more controversial than the other. Uh, but this was akin to Michael's point of, I don't think there's been a huge number of great fullbacks at, at the bottom end. So I'm trusting the back three can largely do a lot of the covering in wide areas. Kilman and, and Gahia quick enough. But I've gone for Harvey Barnes on the left, um, who of course plays more like a true winger. Um, but my struggles I'd explain later on in terms of picking players further forward um, that I think sort of forced me to some of these decisions. He's a winger, but his, his pace and power is fantastic. He plays really well in straight lines. Um, he's got 12 goals and one assist a season, which is interesting stats for a winger. Um, and, and Michael wrote a good piece on um, how he uses one-twos really well to get him behind defences. He's not a natural wing-back type player, but if you can play him in a system where he can be more advanced, uh, I think he works really, really well um, in that regard. And on the right, I think it's a bit less controversial when you look at the system he plays in. Alex Awobi at Everton, who of course has played sort of a winger, wing-back role. I think he played that under Ancelotti before, um, but often Everton are defending with the wingers deep, so he's at times sort of a, an auxiliary fullback in, in a back four. Um, but his his technical play has been outstanding. I've watched Everton a few times in the flesh and his passing range is, is so, so good. He's the main creative hub in that team. He's had seven assists, but he's also top for um, expected assists and shot-creating actions. So... I think he's been essential for a team who have struggled to score goals all season. You think he can now look at playing up a level again from where he was at Arsenal to sort of be, you know, uh, repositioned from where he was as a winger to sort of a central midfielder. And now Dyche has got him in this halfway house where he's often playing wide, but, you know, he's not driving at defences. He's really pick-locking them uh, and he's been fantastic. Uh, we don't have to agree on everything and uh, disagreements should always be friendly. Uh, Michael Cox, are there any moral issues with picking <laughs> Harvey Barnes at left wing back with him having barely ever played a, a minute in, in that position? And um, what about Iwobi on the right? I think Iwobi's fine. You know, he's often dropped in to be a, a kind of back five player. Uh, Barnes, I would like to see him play there. I, I, whether you can pick him there having not done so all season is, is questionable for Tim of the season, but... It could be an interesting positional switch. Shoehorned had to be one. Well, the, the problem is that there aren't enough actual parameters for teams of the season. And so, you know, there is an aspect of it kind of being in the eye of the beholder. Like I, I have very strong views on who should and shouldn't be allowed to be selected in certain positions. And like personally, I also have a, a minimum uh, minutes threshold that you have to have played in order to 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 be eligible. But of course, that chucks up its its own issues, um, particularly in the championship this season. Uh, Benson of Burnley has been, you know, has probably been the, one of the best individual players and uh, for the best team. Uh, and yet he only started like 16 games. Company used him specifically as this impact sub. And so... He didn't even play 50% of the total minutes this season, which uh, so he, he he's chucked up as a bit of an issue in championship terms. But uh, I always think it's a, a fun part of the discussion uh, either way. And we're able to keep it a little more civilized than it probably would be on online. Uh, where do we need to go next? Mark Carey's fullbacks. Yeah, well, I agree with the guys that I did struggle to find someone good enough to, to play these positions. I didn't go as creatively into to try and do it, but I looked into the numbers um, and I've gone at left back Roman Perrault of Southampton. Um, I like how he gets forward quite a lot. He has 3.7 open play crosses per 90 minutes, and that's more than any other fullback or wingback in this bottom half cohort, which is interesting. 0.65 open play chances created per 90. Only three players within this cohort have a higher rate than that. So he's going to get forward. I'm thinking of the wider dynamic of this shot. Sure. I think I want my left back and my right back to get forward, attack, uh, get into high areas. So Perot is going to do a lot of the crossing and Luke Ayling on the right-hand side is going to be a bit of a box-crashing 
fullback um, in terms of touches in the opposition box per 90. No fullback or wingback within this cohort has higher than him, 2.4 per 90. He's the captain. He's an all-round good lad and he's going to get forward and chip in with some goals. That's my choice. You and Luke Aylin go way back, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> Always yeah. had a, um, a strong relationship. Uh, okay, so Mark's back five. Kepper in goal. Uh, Luke Ayling, James Tarkovsky, Thiago Silva and Roman Perrault. Uh, Coxford United has Pickford in goal. Uh, Castagna right back. Ronan Lodi left back. Dawson uh, and Thiago Silva centrally. And Liam has Kepper in goal. Three centre-backs, Guehi, Thiago Silva and Kilman uh, with Iwobi and Barnes at wing back. Uh, let's go into the heart of the pitch now, the central midfield. Michael. I had Declan Rice. Did others have Declan Rice? No. No? Yes. You had? Okay. Two portions of rice, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'll go for a partnership with, with another midfielder a little bit higher who I may be mentioning later. And my other one was Romeo Lavia at uh, Southampton who... I still think there's more to come from him, but I just, I, I really like watching him play. I think he's really good on the turn. He can play good through balls. He's mobile. I think he's been a good partner for, for Ward Prowse this season, who was another consideration. And I'm not sure that that many Southampton players are going to get snapped up this summer. Uh, but he's one who I think, yeah, a few clubs might have an eye on him. So, so young still, uh, Lavia. So, uh, Liam, you've got Declan Rice in there as well. Any particular um, supporting evidence for that and who else have you got alongside him he's, he's fantastic i think um i mean that, that largely sums it up but it, it's <laughs> specifically not just his sort of tackling i think that he gets sort of revered for but the moments when he does choose to tackle he delays really well and um, he shows really good sort of control and restraint and um there was a really specific example uh, from the 2-2 draw against arsenal where it basically looked like his job was to form a pressing trap into thomas party so he'd allow the pass to come in and as soon as it went He'd sprint, he'd get there, he'd put in a challenge. I think he made two tackles in the first 30 seconds and he made the regain that led to the penalty that sort of uh, sort of flipped the game, really. I think over long distances, he's a really good ball carrier. He could probably work on his passes through the lines. He can switch play really well. Um, but look, he's not particularly old. He's been a part of a West Ham team that haven't been too expansive. I think he's been a really good player for England. And if I'm honest, I think he'll be quite a key player for England in sort of the the next few tournaments and given sort of all his ball winning um, prowess next to him I've gone for sort of a, a double pivot I've gone for James Ward Prowse his availability is fantastic um, he's sort of tried to carry Southampton through the season um, he scored or assisted 12 of their 32 Premier League goals I know he's got sort of the, the super strength of a free kick and at times he played more advanced played a bit more as a number 10 trying to be a bit more creative I don't think he's outrageously good in open play but I think he's a really good ball striker he's the sort of person when you've got a defensive midfielder like Declan Rice you put them there for sort of their, their end product does anyone have any idea what sort of level Ward Prowse will be pitching up at? Is he going to one of the traditional big six clubs or are we talking the tier below that? A Newcastle, Brighton, Aston Villa, even a Brentford? Does anyone have any particular views on this? I think he's very Aston Villa. Very Brentford in my opinion. I was going to say Brentford as well. Set pieces, that could that could be that really strong. Sense. Well, I mean, every team takes set pieces. There's not the strength. <laughs> and you just match super strengths, right? Yeah. Limited possession. So you don't have to do too much passing. Bees would score a lot of set piece goals next season with Ward Prowse uh, delivering them. Uh, Mark, uh, Declan Rice doesn't make the, the, the Statsy team, the data side. Uh, who does in midfield? Well, I've gone for Ruben Neves of Wolves, of course. Um, and I think it, Michael mentioned it before that Wolves have had kind of an okay season, but their main weakness has been in front of goal. But we know how good their technical players are in, in midfield. Obviously, they've got Moutinho as well, uh, Nunes, of course. And 
Neves is kind of the, the metronome for Wolves. Uh, 59.8 passes attempted per 90, more than any Wolves player. So it shows how much he gets on the ball. Um, he, can, he can ping it really long with some long balls. 17.8% of his passes are uh, long balls, which is more than anyone else in this bottom half sample. Um, he also loves a shot from distance. He's the, he's the highest uh, shooter of, of Wolves' squad this season, which I think tells its own story. Um, and 77% of them have been outside the area. We know how much he likes a, a long ranger. So uh, Ruben Neves uh, alongside Philip Billing for Lovely. me. Uh, very, vers Bill. very versatile player. I think he's played more as a kind of a number 10, a bit more of an advancing central midfielder this season, but I'm putting him alongside Neves uh, in this case. And I actually looked at, uh, into it and Ahmed Shubal of The Athletic Bournemouth writer actually chose him for his uh, player of the season, wrote a piece on it recently um, and said that he is, not only is he the top goal scorer for Bournemouth, but he's won the most tackles, made the most blocks and competed in the most Jules for Bournemouth too. So all action, Philip Billing alongside Ruben Neves for me. Well, now is the time to say that I've got him as my number 10. Mm. Um, yeah, he started really as a more defensive midfielder, but was pushed high, I think, in a game against Fulham and did really well there. He's a funny kind of player. He's, I mean, when he plays in that number 10 role, he does feel like a number 10. He doesn't feel like a defensive midfielder. He's very good at making runs into the box, good at playing one-twos. So yeah, Rice, Lavia and Billing is my midfield three. So I have Philip Billing as one of my two number 10s. Wow. Um, so yeah, full full house for, for Billing. Uh, he's He's been fantastic. It's been interesting because Solanke has been more of a, a balanced creator um, and a finisher. I think he's got more assists than goals. And even sort of despite his size, you don't really think that he'd be used in that way as sort of a, a channel runner or a runner off the ball. You think they use it uses height more than anything. Um, but his goals are interesting because he scored against Arsenal, Liverpool and Newcastle. So really sort of top level sides. But then also home and away against Leicester, against Forest, and against Leeds so against you know the some of the bigger games that are going to count for um, Bournemouth down at the bottom part of the table and I've just sort of think he's really a, a great term that Ahmed used was calling him a, a footballing unicorn because he can just do so many different things that um, he's, he's a big unicorn but uh, unicorn yeah. nonetheless well to come back around then I didn't choose uh, Declan Rice for my West Ham player but Lucas Pakatar is my attacking midfielder so I'm kind of going for 4-3-3, maybe more of a 4-2-3-1, Pakatar being the attacking midfielder. And maybe it's a little bit of a recency bias because he had a, quite a tough start to the season, I think it's fair to say. But some of his games recently, he's just it feels like he's made the step up. He seemed really comfortable. And you know, if you're playing for Brazil in the World Cup, you're clearly going to be very good. Um, in terms of some numbers, to I guess, to go alongside it, only Enzo Fernandez has attempted more through balls per 90 among this bottom half cohort of, uh, of midfielders. So we know how much he likes to punch the ball forward. He had a great assist uh, the other day against Leeds. And I just think he's he's an all-round class player. Pakatar over Rice, that, that will cause a lot of... A lot of discussion, I think. I'd be interested to hear from uh, some West Ham United fans, actually, uh, comparing uh, those two players and which you think merits being uh, in an alternative team of the season like this. Uh, so Mark's midfield three is Ruben Nevsh, uh, Philip Billing and Lucas Pakatar. Nice balance there, I must say. Uh, Michaels has Declan Rice, Romeo Lavia and Philip Billing. Uh, also lovely balance. Uh, Liam, as ever, the maverick, the question mark, has Declan Rice and James Ward-Prowse uh, in the He's got Philip Billing and he teased it as one of his two tens, which means if I'm not mistaken, you are playing some form of what I like to call a three six one, what you probably call a three box three, something like that. Yeah, cool. So who's with Billing? I was tied on this one. I wasn't sure who to pick because uh, this is my forest selection in here. Um, I thought about Brennan Johnson because he's been he's been excellent. Um, 
don't write Brennan Johnson down just yet because it's not him. No, I've written the name of his teammate because I know who you're going to select and I'm very happy about it because he's one of my favourite players to watch. I really felt for Morgan Gibbs-White at the start of the season because he came under so much criticism for the price tag that got attached to him, which I think is always unfair on players because they never pick that, they never choose it. Again, he's quite a different style number 10 because he's really tall. He's so aggressive without the ball. I'm always amazed when I watch him that he's relentless, he chases, he presses, which has obviously been key for Forrest particularly um, at home this season. But the way that he blends that with being such a refined technical player, I know we've all seen the assist against Southampton, you know, the, the ingenuity that he has. So it's a real sort of mixed blend in that regard. Five goals and seven assists is a really good return, I think, in a team that struggled at the start of the season, have obviously switched formation. Um, and he's going to be a real key player, I think, particularly for England uh, under 21s at the Euros this summer. Um, and he's, I think, a, a perfect example of the fact that he scored two penalties in the run-in against Southampton against Brighton. So stepping up in big moments, composure from a player who's still quite young. He's, he's been excellent. Couldn't agree more. And I uh, hope that he leads the England under-21s to glory in uh, Romania and Georgia this summer at the Euros. Uh, he, I think, will be wearing the armband for that um, and should be, could be one of the tournament's star men, albeit that England squad looks ridiculously stacked, doesn't it always? Let's see if Lee Carsley can get more out of them uh, than his predecessor. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. So uh, we've actually had 10 Liam players already. We've got everything via the striker. So Michael and Mark, I need you to tell me uh, about what I'm assuming will be a, a pair of wide men. I've got Gibbs White kind of drifting inside from a left of centre position, I'd say. We've got his club mate, uh, Lodi, flying forward on the overlap. So hopefully they can bring that combination. 
My right-sided player is Crystal Palace's Michael Elise. Uh, he's a funny one because I don't think he's anywhere near fulfilled his potential. And by that, I mean, I think there's so much more to come. But he's really exciting. I mean, he started the season playing almost as a number eight alongside Eze. They were both in that eight role. Didn't really think that worked. But since he's moved to the right, I think he's been just fantastic to watch. He's a really good passer, uh, can dribble as well. Um, and his set pieces have been crucial. I mean, probably all remember that free kick against Manchester United that he scored in the last minute and, and didn't celebrate too much, which I quite liked. And there's also been a couple of games, for example, when Palace won 2-0 away at Bournemouth, which felt like quite a big result at the time. Uh, both those goals came from his his corners just causing chaos. He can He's one of those players who can just dip the ball where he wants. And I think that's really difficult to defend. So, yeah, Michael Elise on the right. Any player that has a, a viral pass, I always think, mm. is uh, you know is, is worthy of this. And and Elise certainly had that the other week. I mean, you say there's a lot to come, Michael. He's he's only 21, and he's just finishing his third, basically his third full season as a senior player. So he's uh, it will certainly be interesting to see how much more he can develop. It sort of feels like with him and and maybe to an extent with Eze as well. Um, Palace have hit upon some roles that seem to be getting loads out of them, and maybe a little bit more than they were getting from them individually uh, in the last two years or so. I, I was hoping to hear the name Eberi Eze mentioned in this. Is there, did, did you have to think about Elise versus Eze for your Palace player or was it not a question for you? It was more just positional for me. There was a few midfielders and um, yeah, Eze's, Eze's had a good, I mean, a little bit like Elise. I think they've come good in recent weeks. There's probably a bit of recency bias, but yeah, I needed a winger, a proper winger with Gibbs White being on the other side. So Elise got the nod. I have to say, I have to echo all of those sentiments because I also have Elise as right wing. I did think about Eze as well, but uh, Elise, for all the reasons that you guys have said, a couple more numbers would be that he's got 10 assists this season and only Mo Salah, Bukayo Saka and Kevin De Bruyne have more, which I think is also telling. Yes, he is on set pieces to your point, Michael, but it's still highly impressive. He's actually the first Crystal Palace player to ever record 10 or more assists in a single Premier League campaign, wow. which I didn't realize. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. I, I just, same as you, Michael, I like how much he just looks to, to get the ball into to dangerous areas. So looked into some more numbers. He's averaged 5.5 passes into the penalty area per 90 minutes. And that constitutes 24% of Palace's total when he's on the field. So he's basically responsible for nearly a quarter of all of the dangerous balls played, played into the, the penalty area by himself. And that is more than any player within this bottom half cohort. So shows just how dangerous he is in getting the, the ball into those lucrative areas to score. Um, so he's on the right. Um, for me, James Madison is going to be on the left. He's going to be drifting inside a little bit. He's not an out-and-out -out winger, but he has the, the highest expected assists of anyone within this bottom half cohort. 0.35 expected assists per 90. Leicester haven't been doing very well recently. We know that, but everyone was going wild about James Madison in those weeks and months in advance of the World Cup. So it's almost remembering this obviously is across the whole season yep. of just how strong a campaign he has had um, overall. So uh, James Madison on the, the left for me. Yeah, a lovely technical duo there. Uh, Elise, his teammate Eze, as, as mentioned, recently called up uh, by Gareth Southgate for the England senior team. And Michael Elise will be joining Morgan Gibbs-White, I believe, at, at the under-21 Euros representing France. Uh, so that will be uh, an, an interesting battle if England and France do go head-to-head. Okay, one player left each. Uh, it's the striker for all three. I wonder how many of you listening have been able to keep up with all the selections and by dint of process of elimination, maybe worked out who will be picking who based on the clubs available. I have to admit, I haven't been as sharp as that. So I'm completely ignorant and excited. Uh, Mark, who have you got up top? So I have got Brennan Johnson up 
top. Um, I was thinking about, so I only had Forrest left, and I was thinking about Tyro Awanyi, considering how well he's done recently. I was obviously going to think about uh, Morgan Gibbs-White, but had players in other positions. But Johnson scored eight goals for, for Forrest, only Awanyi's had, had more. Yes, he's not an out-and-out sort of central striker. He'll be maybe running the channels a little bit more, but that's good because I've got a lot of creative players in behind. He'll pick up those little pockets. Um, and Ali, you'd be able to, to say better than anyone just how well he's stepped up from league to league it was only was it two seasons ago now he's playing for for Lincoln in in league one and made light work of that made light work of um, a championship campaign and similarly seems to be definitely comfortable in the Premier League so for all that he's done there um, I think Brennan Johnson for me he's not actually very high action I didn't realize just how much this was the case but 24.9 touches per 90 is in the bottom 10% of forwards in the Premier League this season but he makes the most of the touches he does have and he's so you know aggressive in his his runs into the channels so um yeah brennan johnson completes my team yeah i guess he's definitely more of an off-ball player at this stage because of his speed and his and his movement when he's on it he's still absolutely a, a, you know been a real threat at times this season but uh, i think there is still a fair bit of development to come on the ball you'd hope so and in particular he's 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 an interesting profile of player in that he's not a particularly physical number nine in terms of being able to to sort of um, engage with centre-backs and, and take contact and play back to goal. Um, he's obviously very, very good if there's space to run in behind and, and drifting out generally to the right side. Um, as a right footer, again, a little unusual. A lot of right-footed forward players prefer to drift left and therefore cut inside when they have the ball naturally. Johnson very clearly prefers that right side channel. So I'm interested to see where he actually ends up playing uh, long-term for, for Nottingham Forest and, and even for Wales as well. Uh, Michael, who have you got up front? I haven't picked a Leeds player yet, so I've got Rodrigo. Uh, only 10 players have scored more goals than him this season. Uh, he hasn't actually played that much. I mean, he started 22 games. I mean, there's a you can make the Ali Maxwell argument that maybe he isn't up to as, as many minutes as he should. Or you can make the, the kind of goals per game minute that he's kind of almost as prolific as anyone this season. Haaland accepted and a couple of others. But yeah, he's, he's a really good player. Great for running in behind uh, that 3-0 win against Chelsea, which seems a long time ago. And maybe doesn't seem as impressive as it did at the time, considering how bad Chelsea have been. But he was brilliant in that. His link plays good as well. I mean, he's a great player. He's a Spain international. His, I don't think it's unfair to say his career has stalled slightly since moving to Leeds, in, in part because Patrick Bamford had a really good uh, season when uh, when they came up. But I think he's a great player and, and one of those who could play at a much higher level. I also went for Rodrigo, so we're, we're aligned on that. Um, yeah, his early season form was excellent. He scored four goals in the first three games, then had nothing for six games, and then scored five goals across the next four games. Um, and I think his last couple of goals against West Ham and Man City just show how good his ball striking is, particularly in terms of being um, quite reactive, one-touch finishes. I think he's quite good off sort of both feet. Uh, I know this is a Premier League team of the season, but I remember him coming on uh, against Cardiff, I think it was, in the FA Cup uh, with Leeds 2-0 down and just completely turned the game on its head. I think Leeds have looked... Really, really poor without him going forward in attack. I think his sort of runs, running the channels is as good sort of in terms of his uh, link play or his, his finishing in terms of being positive and, and useful for, for Leeds' attack. He's been really, I think, one of the only shining lights in their season. I think without him, particularly given Bamford's injuries and, and his issues, that um, they'd be in a lot worse situation um, than without him. And it's just quite telling that he scored 13 and not one goal has been a match winner. That's just how 
much Leeds have struggled to win games this season, which I, I don't think anyone else is going to be um, you know, that high on the list in terms of goals without having won, uh, that's won a game this mm. season. Yeah, he's a bit of a shot monster, isn't he, Rodrigo? He's good for a sort of five shots in a game type performance. Maybe not all of them from uh, the, the dreamiest positions or locations, but actually when you consider how much they've struggled for goals elsewhere in the squad, you know, it's actually absolutely been very valuable. Michael, you're quite a big fan of his goal direct from a throw the other day, were you not? What a hit that was. I mean, that was a Sweet brilliant strike. volley. Yeah, I couldn't recall seeing a goal like that before. A couple of people on Twitter pointed out Ronnie Whelan's goal in Euro 88, which I kind of forgot was from a throw because you focus on the bicycle kick. A bicycle kick from a throw is even madder. But yeah, this was a brilliant hit from Rodrigo. And when he scores goals, often they're quite spectacular, quite swept finishes he likes. Really good left foot. Um, so yeah, he's, he's had a... I've almost been a bit underwhelmed by him in the Premier League because I think he's a really, really... I mean, I think he could have gone, like I say, to a, a really big club. And Bamford's surprise adaptation to the Premier League held him back a bit. But yeah, he's he's really kept Leeds in with a chance to stand up. Uh, okay, what fun. Uh, I love the way that this has fallen with uh, quite a few players being picked twice. Uh, Kepa in goal, picked twice. Thiago Silva uh, picked twice as well. Michael Elise picked twice and Rodrigo of Leeds up top in, in two of the three teams. But we have one overall bottom half player of the year uh, and that's Philip Billing who perhaps because uh, in your eyes his performances within the context of his own team uh, AFC Bournemouth have been quite so good uh, has made it into all three uh, alternative teams of the season that's brilliant I would not have predicted that Philip Billing uh, would have been the one to wear our armband collective armband um, can you just run through your 11s for us uh, Michael why don't you go first yeah Jordan Pickford in goal back for Castan Dawson Thiago Silva and Roman Lodi my midfield three, should we call it, is Lavia, Rice and Philip Billing in the number 10 role. And we've got Elise on the right, Gibbs White drifting from the left and Rodrigo up front. Mark? I've got Kepa, Aretha Balaga in goal, Roman Perro left back, Thiago Silva, James Tarkovsky uh, centre-back, Luke Ayling right back, Ruben Neves and Philip Billing in central midfield with Lucas Pakatai just ahead of him. Uh, ahead of them, I should say. Uh, James Madison on the left, Michael Elise on the right, and Brennan Johnson through the middle. And Liam? Kepper is between the sticks, a back three of Max Kilman, Thiago Silva, and Mark Guehi. My flying wingbacks are Harvey Barnes and Alex Awobi, a double pivot of Declan Rice and James Will Prowse. Two number 10s in Morgan Gibbs-White and Philip Billing. Leading the line is Rodrigo. I actually really like Liam's team. I can't believe I'm saying it out loud. And of course, there's a highly... and probably quite questionable uh, experimental nature of the fact that he's just put Barnes in Iwobi uh, in the wing-back positions. But with the right manager, certainly in possession, I can absolutely see how this is going to work with Gehi and, and Kilman pretty comfortable on the ball in, in wide central centre defender areas with Barnes in Iwobi uh, being very, very high up the pitch. Rice and, and Ward-Prowse don't hate that as a, a double pivot sort of guarding against the uh, the, the transitions. Uh, and then Gibbs-White and Billing offering uh, interesting bits and bobs as well. I think uh, Rodrigo up front um, is an interesting one. Possibly, is he possibly not the dream striker for that system? Uh, who's to say? Certainly with, with Michael's team, uh, I think we're all seeing quite a lot of set-piece goals, uh, particularly uh, set-pieces taken by Michael Elise. Uh, and headed in most likely by Craig Dawson. Um, but with Rice there, with Thiago Silva there, with Billing there as well. Billing's a bit of a sort of 
fake tall guy, if I'm honest. He doesn't actually score very many headed goals. I'm not, I think he's one of those tall guys that almost wishes he was five foot seven and <laughs> that would probably suit his position quite well. Funnily enough, so I consulted with our club writers for this. I, I messaged almost... I, the fullback ones, I just had to find fullbacks, but I messaged quite a few of them. So thanks to everyone who did respond to me with that. And I've mentioned that now because Ahmed Shubal, who covered Bournemouth uh, a lot for us this season, said about Billing, he plays like he's a whole foot shorter than he actually is. Lots of flicks, tricks and acrobatic executions for a guy who's six foot five. So clearly you're, you're spot on. There you go. There you go. You very rarely, I can't think of many like short players who would obviously suit being actually well, Diogo Jota you do get a lot of tall players who are expected to be target men who have absolutely no appetite for that <laughs> whatsoever do you know who's quite good in the air for a really small player Emiliano Buendia ah. just quite a lot of like Aston Villa's like set piece routines involves him like getting a near post flick and teams just didn't expect him to be doing it but he's really good at it yeah I like that um, Mark's team is nicely balanced as well I think my main concern is is goals here. Hmm. Um, both Madison and Elise. <laughs> you sounded really sad about that. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. But, but I mean, Madison and Elise, your, your wide players, of course, Madison has some goals in him. Elise, I would say, has never looked like a real killer in terms of uh, in and around the box and, and, and arriving late. Obviously a bit of a threat from range, but could still develop that. Johnson, as discussed, you know, is, is possibly a bit of a streaky goal scorer and probably hasn't yet proven himself purely as a goal scorer in the Premier League. Um, so Pakatar and Billing are going to have to do a bit of work there as, as well. Um, Ailing and Perrault, to what extent are they giving you a lot going forward from fullback? I, I don't know. I don't know is the answer, but that would be my concern. It's certainly um, uh, a nicely balanced team uh, in the main. Uh, and I have very much enjoyed this uh, exercise. So thank you, guys. It'd be quite interesting to see how many of these players leave in the summer, you know, as discussed, and it's kind of come out a little bit in the way that you've um, shown your reasoning for these. Like these are players who in the main have played for teams that haven't performed particularly well and many of them below expectations this season. Uh, and yet, of course, uh, an individual player can still perform well in that situation. And those will be the sorts of players who may themselves be looking for a different situation, certainly in the case of the players that, that see their teams relegated this season uh, or may have some interest from the very top of the Premier League. Uh, this has been our Athletic Football Tactics podcast, alternative team of the season, uh, just picking players from the bottom half of the Premier League, hopefully um, giving some interesting names a little bit of discussion because most of the awards stuff that you'll hear will just focus on, on the top names. And we're here to try and provide a, an alternative view where possible. So uh, thank you for listening. Make sure that if it's the, the, the big name awards that you're really after, that you tune in to the Athletic FC's social channels on Tuesday evening, 30th of May. Adam Leventhal hosting the live stream for the Athletics End of Season Awards. Do not miss that uh, and don't miss our last few pods of the season. So subscribe to this podcast feed and make sure you subscribe to The Athletic as well by heading to theathletic.com forward slash tactics for the best current offer for an annual subscription. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again next week. The Athletic. <laughs>